1: VR training platforms, like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International, are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients.
0: As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop.
1: Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast
0: is a Dear Media production.
1: Do you want to start a company but have no idea where to begin? Or do you have dreams of becoming an influencer? Well, the Life with Mariana podcast is here to help. I'm Mariana Hewitt, a Los Angeles based influencer and co founder of the Clean Skincare Line, Summer Fridays. Each Tuesday, I'm talking to my friends from business owners, wellness experts, and more to share all of their best advice for you to live your best life. Make sure to tune in and
0: subscribe to my podcast and follow me on Instagram at Mariana underscore Hewitt to see what's coming up each week so you don't miss an episode. Welcome to Real Pod. It's your host, Victoria Garrick, and this is the podcast where we hold nothing Wow. 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 Are you in for a good one today? Because Molly Burke is just brilliant. She is wickedly smart, extremely passionate. And even though she's not trying to, and she'll say she's not here to do this, she was inspiring. Some of you might know Molly through social media. She is an influencer, a YouTuber, a speaker. She's got millions and millions of followers all tuning in to watch how Molly navigates the world as a blind woman. Her content is so educational and her personality is just infectious. I could literally watch Molly all day long. I've been a huge fan of Molly's for a long time and I actually saw her at a TikTok party a few months ago and I mustered up the courage to go over and introduce myself and I'm so glad that I did because she has just been a joy to get to know and I'm so grateful that she was willing to come on RealPod and talk about her story and journey as a blind woman and disability advocate. I learned so much. You're going to learn so much. So buckle up before we get started. I want to give a shout out to Meg. Hi, Meg. Thank you for your five-star review that says Vic feels like my virtual big sis. Meg wrote real pod was one of the first podcasts I ever listened to. And I look forward to it every single Wednesday. Vic, please, please come and have more live shows, preferably on the East Coast, so my mom and I can come hang out with you. Oh my gosh, Meg, I would love this. The live show was amazing, and hopefully we have more in store for the future, definitely out East. Huge thank you to each and every one of you listening. It means the world. And if you want to give me a review or leave a rating, it really helps out the show and you could be the shout out on next week's episode. Without further ado, let's give it up for influencer, YouTube sensation, motivational speaker, and TikToker, Molly Burke. Molly, welcome to Real Pod.
1: Hello, I just like spilt water on myself. <laughs> it's it's totally getting fine. real right away. It is
0: getting so real. I I know you kind of came in and were telling me, you know, the first half of the day wasn't as smooth as we had hoped. I was gonna open by just asking you how your spirit is. So I'll let you take that. You in. know what?
1: I've been like fantastic <laughs> until today. Today's and it's not even like I'm bad. I'm just like not as cheerful. Yeah. It's just been like a day that you wake up and you're setting, you're like trying to get Mm -hmm. the fires out and you're just doing it all day. You're like, wow, I'm ready for tomorrow.
0: (laughs) And right. You just want to reset. And I feel like we're similar in the very bubbly, vibrant, cheery personalities. So how do you like handle it when you're not there? Because I think when I'm not cheery, I get like down on myself because I feel like I'm not allowed to be anything but happy. Do you ever get that?
1: You know, I've learned to be very kind to myself. Mm -hmm. I've been battling laryngitis for a really long time now, and that's getting me really down. And I was doing a live stream on my TikTok the other day, and so many people were like, you sound sad. You sound sad. I'm like, I'm not sad, damn it. I just have laryngitis. (laughs) And it's like, it's crazy how exhausting not being able to talk easily is. Like having to put a lot of effort into talking Mm -hmm. is exhausting and I never shut up. So it's extra difficult. (laughs) There's probably something unique too when all your followers are asking you,
0: like, are you sad? What's wrong? Because you are known for being so optimistic. And honestly, a lot of your career is... I think, giving to others, like a lot of your content just about on educating people on blindness and the disability community and the various, like, injustices in a predominantly ableist society. Like, you're constantly showing up and, like, giving, giving, giving to everyone. So I was going to ask what it's like to have to be on and what was it that made you feel like, okay, I can do this every single day as my job.
1: So... I started public speaking when I was five and by the time I was in high school, I would only go to school like two and a half days a week and the other times I was speaking. And then by the time I was in grade 12, I ended up graduating six months early to start touring full time as a speaker. And that's a very giving job, mm-hmm. like your like literal job title is motivational speaker. And so you're like pouring a lot of yourself out there and when you're doing it full time on the road, touring all over the world. I mean, I was on like 10 airplanes a week at times at 18 and doing like hour long keynotes, sometimes twice a day. I burnt out by 20. I remember when I walked in to quit my job and I was quitting what at the time was my dream job. And it's really hard to quit your dream job at 20. Mm hmm. And I walked in and I said to them, I can only give what I have and I have given you all that I have. And I needed to rebuild myself and my life. And that ended up being when I started social media. I was very much not an overnight success in any stretch of the imagination, which I'm very grateful for because it gave me time to grow with my content and to prepare for the next level of my own success and my own career. And recently I burnt out again. And that's why I have laryngitis. And that's why I'm on like this, like super strict eating regimen. And I canceled a bunch of work engagements and trips that I had to like go back and forth to New York a bunch of times and all this different Mm -hmm. stuff. Because I was like, I don't have things to give right now. I need to give to myself. So all of my content was pre-filmed already. And I was like, great, this is the perfect time to just like halt for a bit and give to myself again.
0: I'm so glad because when we saw each other the other night, you literally said you haven't taken a day off. And how many years was it?
1: Yeah, I literally worked for like four or five years without a day off. I mean, there was times I worked December 1st to December 25th, Mm -hmm. like I took Christmas day off. I was in Los Angeles, New York, Toronto, Paris, Grass, Monaco, Venice, Florence, where else? I was in some other places. Like but like that's wild to go to all of those different cities within a 24 day. Like just the time differences alone. And don't get me wrong, it was incredible and it was magical, which is why I pushed myself to do it because I loved every single moment and I wanted to soak up every opportunity I felt so blessed to be given. But that doesn't mean eventually it's not going to catch up with you. And ding ding ding, it's here. It caught up. Right and you said you so you said you started public speaking at 5
0: i mean i'm going to need more on that because at 5 i was probably like picking boogers
1: like hiding in a closet during like sardines yes i know it it always catches people off so i used to say i started speaking at 5 and then i realized people thought i literally meant learning to talk And I was like, "Uh, no, I have to clarify, I started public speaking at five. So, yeah, when I was four years old is when I was diagnosed with retinitis pigmentosa, which is the disease that eventually, you know, ended up in my blindness. And so at five years old, I started public speaking about it to raise awareness and funding for a cure. And when I got up on stage, like my parents thought it would just be like this one time thing. This charity asked, oh, we need like a cute little kid to come like do a little thing at this fundraiser. So my parents thought okay, it's gonna be like this one time thing and I got that mic in my hand and like, Lord, you had to pry it out, okay? I was (laughs) like, more, more. And I told my parents when I was five years old, I'm gonna move to Los Angeles and I'm gonna be an actress and I'm gonna work in the entertainment industry. I'm like originally from Toronto, Canada. So it's not like just moving states. It's like getting a visa. It's a whole process, you know. Mm-hmm. And also I'd never even been to L.A. So like the audacity of me being like, that's my home. But I just knew like I there was no place I was more comfortable than like on a stage with a mic in my hand.
0: So at that young age, you're learning that you're going to be different than your friends and your family, yet it sounds like you're harnessing this really positive side of, oh, well, I can have this platform. I can speak and I can inspire. I mean, how are you processing this as
1: a kid and understanding it? I don't think you are. I think it was something my parents never hid from me, Mm -hmm. which I'm very grateful for
0: never hid from you, what do you mean? Like,
1: they never hid my diagnosis. They never hid my future from me. They kept me as informed as I could potentially understand or comprehend at the time. And, you know, in grade one, I went home from school and I asked my parents, like, why am I different from the other kids? Because I had a special teacher that sat beside me and I got to use black markers when every other kid had to use a pencil. And I learned off of a whiteboard that was right in front of me and all the other kids read the chalkboard at the front of the class. And, you know, like I knew I was different and I asked them, why am I different? And they told me from the time I could pronounce retinitis pigmentosa, I was saying to people, I have retinitis pigmentosa and I'm going to go blind one day. Like my parents never sugar coated it. And I'm super grateful for that. But just because I knew I was going to go blind, doesn't mean I comprehended what it meant. And the way I kind of The best way I can put it for people is we all know that more likely than not, our mom and dad will die before us. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean you can comprehend the grief you'll feel when it happens. Mm -hmm. So knowing and going through it are really different. And so I really didn't begin to comprehend or process it until I was actually experiencing my vision loss in its like most intense form. What age was that? 13 is when the progression started through 14.
0: So, so then when you were young, you saw your parents and you remember what they looked like.
1: Yes, I don't have visual memory, so I can't pull up visual images. So a lot of people say things like, oh, well, at least you could see. What, well. no, it doesn't work You're like, like, like that, no. unfortunately. Yeah. You know, I know what I'm missing. Mm-hmm. And so I had to grieve that loss. And I can't just pull up visual memories in my mind of what things looked like. And even if I could, frankly, they change. Mm-hmm. What my parents looked like when I was eight and what my parents looked like at 28 is obviously very different. I have been doing a lot of traveling recently, which
0: means I'm on my feet a lot. I'm up and at them, I'm walking around. And it's very important for me that I have comfortable shoes that really support my feet. Vionic delivers on great feeling feet so I can live my best life and so can you because their shoes have VioMotion technology, a patented podiatrist developed footbed that's built into every pair. When I put on my first pair, I was so surprised at how good the shoes felt because you never know until you try. And speaking of that, Vionic has a 30-day risk-free trial, which means there's no reason for you not to buy them, wear them, love them, or return for a full refund within 30 days if you're not satisfied for any reason at all. So not only do their shoes feel like a hug for your feet, but they're supporting your body's natural alignment at the same time. And look, if you don't believe me, try it for yourself with Vionic's 30-day risk-free trial. So there's literally no reason for you not to buy. You wear them or you love them, or you can return them for a full refund within 30 days if you're not satisfied for any reason at all. They have so many different types of shoes, all super cute. They have active sneakers, water-repellent booties, super walkable heels. It's so important to find a heel that's comfortable. And once again, it's a risk-free 30-day trial. These shoes look good and they feel good. So head to www.vionicshoes.com and use code REALPOD at checkout for free shipping. That's www.vionicshoes.com using code REALPOD at checkout for free shipping. So you're 14. This is the age of like freshmen in high school. Everyone's making friends. You're going through something that like, first of all, no 14 year old should have to go through, but a lot aren't. So did you feel like there was like additional disconnects on top of the friend
1: groups and who's sitting with each other at lunch and all that stuff yeah i mean there's like let's face it no good time to go blind but 14 is definitely on the list of the worst times to do it because everybody is already going through so much like you're going through puberty a lot of self-discovery perhaps discovering your sexuality your your identity it's such a pivotal time where we go from like being children to being people Mm mm-hmm and that was kind of like, I was going through all of that, but it was the least of my concerns mm-hmm. because I was also having to go through something that nobody should have to go through, let alone really still a child. And what was the community like around
0: you? Did you have some great friends like through middle school that you went to high school with? Or were you like, I went to, this is actually so funny, but I went through, the, I went to school from first through eighth grade at the same school and I had all these friends and it was my hometown. And then high school, I was like, I want to go somewhere different. And so I went to this high school that was farther away to try something new. And I just didn't end up loving it. And I missed, you know, the community that I used to have. So did you have a feeder middle school and kids who grew you grew up with or were you making new friends?
1: So I actually switched schools five times to find the best accommodations and the best circumstances. I was I was pretty severely bullied at most of the schools. And so I had gone to a new school for grade seven. Most of my vision loss was in grade eight. I had started a new school in grade seven and had actually let, like, even looking back now, that was the best year I ever had in school. I had such seventh a- Seventh grade. Yeah. I had such an amazing friend group. I loved the school I was at. And then obviously it all starkly changed in grade eight. And unfortunately, I lost my friends and- was really badly bullied again and switched schools again for grade nine. And then again for grade 11. Like I just shifted around a lot. School was not necessarily a very positive experience for me.
0: Do you feel like there were lots of misconceptions around your being blind and and kids just not even knowing how to like interact with you? Because we're in a society that's like, don't look, don't ask questions. Think at the same time, there's no one trying to bridge the gap to to create more unity and then there's an environment that's not even set up to make you fit in.
1: You know, this is back in 2008, representation now is absolute garbage, so back then it was far worse. Mm-hmm. And I think I mean the perception still exists now, so it it certainly existed back then with with less representation and education, the world really views blindness as black and white. And so there was definitely a struggle of understanding my vision loss journey. Went to a very prestigious private school at the time. Mm -hmm. You know, I was fortunate to grow up upper middle class, but in this school, like we were poor. So there was already like a bit of a difference between me and a lot of my classmates. And so this just made the divide that much further because it wasn't even like being in a normal public school setting where the difference was like, I'm going blind and you're not. It was like, I'm going blind and you're not. My dad has a private jet and yours doesn't. My mom is a CEO and yours isn't. Like, it was like, there was a whole lot of layers to it Mm -hmm. that made it that much more stark, the difference of like my circumstance and theirs. And that made it that much more difficult for them to understand what I was going through.
0: Did you deal with mental health issues at this age? Because, I mean, when I was in high school, I was, I feel like I was kind of ignorant to bliss. When I got to college is when I started to be really anxious, struggle with depression, body image issues at an all-time high. And a lot of that had to do with the pressure of the environment I was in, but also, you know, like trying to fit in, make those friends. So as you're going through this at home, I mean, were you struggling with depression?
1: Oh yeah. I was severely depressed. I was struggling with situational depression and suicidal ideation. And it was, Yeah, in in quite literally every sense of the word, a very dark time in my life. When did things start to change and did you
0: feel like more, I guess, power in your situation? It's like you're going from situational depression to now having completely, you know, taken ownership of every part of you in this really inspiring way? And we talked in the beginning about like your optimism. Was there someone that inspired you? Was there a moment where you were like, this is the last tear I'm going to cry? Or this is the silver lining if I'm focusing on these
1: feelings? You know, I wish I could tell everybody that there's like a magic happy pill and I have the secret and you just follow X, Y, Z steps. But recovery is a journey. And rebuilding your life is a journey healing is a journey and it's ongoing and it's ongoing forever mental health is a journey with peaks and valleys it's not linear and so i can't say that like there's one like it just clicked and i'm healed it was a lot of intentionality a lot of work and a lot of effort and wanting to get better wanting more for myself and realizing that i deserve to feel better and i could either hit rock bottom and give up or I could hit rock bottom and give myself one more fighting chance. And that's what I chose to do. Do you think that society kind of
0: played a role in you initially feeling like, well, if this is a the
1: situation, then like my life's going to suck or this isn't going to be great. You know, there's many parts of being disabled that suck. I'm not going to lie. I, I don't like to sugarcoat things. Being disabled is really hard. And I make the most of it. And I try to share the positives because unfortunately, I feel like historically, we've only seen the negatives. So I like to share the positives, but only to a certain point. Like I have to highlight the negatives because they exist. And without talking about the negatives, we can't change them. Mm -hmm. And without talking about the negatives, you know, I don't want my disabled audience to see me always being positive about my disability and being like, oh, well, why does my life suck sometimes? Like, why right. can't I have her disabled life? Because my disabled life ain't like that either. Like, it's hard still. And no amount of self-confidence, no amount of success, no amount of income, no amount of popularity takes away from discrimination and ableism. And those things are real and they exist. And I face them just as much as I did before. And it's it's slowly getting better Society is slowly improving in large part because of the increased representation social media in particular has allowed us as a community to have and the autonomy to take over our own narrative again and and share it from our perspective instead of relying on mainstream media to write, direct, produce and play our stories for us, Mm -hmm. which is what we've generally had. But yeah, I, you know, I, I feel like always the hardest parts of being blind are not necessarily my blindness it's society it's society's perception and treatment of me as a blind person and so all those years ago like i i was angry and i i was filled with self-pity and resentment and i realized i can choose to be an angry person at society's ignorance and why how they treat me or I can choose to empower myself and be a part of changing that and try in any way to educate society at least of my own experience as a blind woman. Because I can never I can never speak for a community. I can't bear that weight of responsibility, but I can at least speak from my perspective and and what I do know. And so that's what I try to do. And you absolutely kill it in what you do now you confidently
0: use the word disabled and disability. There have been, I think, at least I've seen people pushing for the term differently abled. Ooh, you're giving me a face. You're giving me a face. of don't like it. Can you expand on why you'd prefer people
1: say disabled? Oh, I'm so over this term differently abled. Look, there are people who like that term, which is why it exists. But generally overall, I would say the vast majority of us disabled people like absolutely hate it. And it like, I mean, it physically makes me cringe. Like I hear it and I'm like, God, I think always the best course of action, if you are unsure what terms to use and how to refer to a person's disability is simply to ask just like you would with somebody's pronouns. It gives people autonomy to make that clear. And wow, how much easier is it for all of us as a society to now know what to do and we feel comfortable doing it so it's perfectly acceptable in my opinion to do that if you're working with going on a date with in class with friends with somebody who is disabled i hate when people tiptoe around my disability when they're like molly is visually impaired molly can't she can't see very well and i'm like you can just say i'm blind like people act like it's a swear word or like i don't know Mm -hmm. that I'm blind. Mm -hmm. And it's the same with disability or disabled. Like people will be like differently abled as a way to put like this weird positive spin on it. But really, when you put a positive spin on something, it's because you think the other one has a negative connotation. Mm -hmm. And so you're actually giving disability a negative connotation by avoiding using it. And guess what? I am disabled. That's just facts. I can't see it is what it is, call a spade a spade. And so by avoiding the word, you're making it more negative than it is by just using it. And again, I really believe that when we we avoid something, like there's no way to fix it. Right. So if we avoid disability, there's no way of combating the challenges that we as disabled people face. If all we're doing is putting this like differently abled positive spin on it then we're like, oh, there's no problems with being disabled. You're just differently abled. It's all positive and good and fine. But it's not. Like, that's the reality. It's not. We still live in a, like, wildly ableist society that discriminates against disabled people daily. And that's the reason disabled people don't feel comfortable often disclosing their disability. And it's because it's been made to be a negative thing. Mm -hmm. And so we as disabled people want to take back that narrative. And, you know... Again, there's there's people who like the term differently abled, but I would say they are definitely in the minority.
0: And would you think that that's because they've maybe bought into this mindset that disabled is, like you said, not a good thing? Like, do you, like, kind of like, it makes me think of how, like, the fat activist community is really embracing the term fat.
1: Exactly. And it's one of those things, like, I can only speculate from what I've seen and what I've heard and who I've talked to I think it's really easy to have internalized ableism when you're raised in an ableist world. And I know that because I've had ableist beliefs about myself and my community at times in the past. And that's not easy to admit, but I've learned and I've grown. For example, like thought I needed to be cured to live a good life. I definitely believed that in order to be like a successful person, I needed to be sighted, And that's something I definitely don't believe anymore. But that is... Like, the world we're raised in is the world of, like, fundraising for cures and acting like disabled people are sad. And so when you're raised around that narrative, when you are not raised around empowered, positive disabled people, when you are not in any way involved in the disability rights movement or the disability community, It's really easy to have those beliefs and even a lot of people who work with disabled people every day go to college or university and are taught by able-bodied people how to interact with disabled people and are taught these like ableist narratives and it's like really unbelievable. So I think it's just something that has been passed down through the generations because for so long we learned about disability from able-bodied people and so of course that had an able-bodied lens looking upon disability. And so I think it's really important to learn about disability from disabled people and listen to disabled voices when it comes to this topic. And don't get me wrong, I am so appreciative of our able-bodied allies, and we need them. But for too long, those have been the only voices we've heard talk about this topic. And so, you know, while I believe that the term differently-abled is really cringeworthy and kind of offensive and honestly demeaning. I get that there's people who are still on their disability journey who don't see it that way. Mm -hmm. And it's really easy for me to see this topic in black and white. And I've definitely seen it that way in the past when I've talked about it. And, you know, I I don't want to like offend people who still identify with differently abled, but I also you know, would love for them to do some self-exploration on where they've developed a liking for that identity Mm -hmm. and why it's something that resonates with them, where they received that from. Because I think a lot of times, like it's given to us by able-bodied people that are like in some way trying to comfort us. Mm -hmm. Like, don't be down about being disabled. You're not, you're differently abled. And it's like, it's just not helpful it makes total sense.
0: How do you work through the times you get tired of having to educate and having to explain? Like, I mean, even as we're walking up to the studio and then we get into this room and it's like, there's quite a few cameras. I'm like, oh, I should grab Molly's hand and like help her this way. And then I'm like, maybe I shouldn't touch her because what you can't touch someone unless you ask them. And so, and then, you know what I'm saying? But then here it's okay. Let's ask someone about their disability and then have them communicate how they want it. Wouldn't it be annoying to you though? Every time you met
1: someone They did ask, you know, isn't it? I mean, that's why I started my YouTube channel years ago because (laughs) I was like so sick of being asked every single day by every person I met how I did my makeup and how I used a cell phone. So it's just like, I'm just going to make videos about it. And then every time somebody asks, I'll be like, you can go watch that on my YouTube channel. Yeah. And, you know, I am personally passionate about educating. Okay. Because my life is harder when I don't. But I make it very clear that just because I am passionate about it, does not mean every blind person is Mm -hmm. and does not give you the right to ask every blind person you meet at Starbucks or Sephora or on the street corner every question you want. Right. People seem to think that they have a right to ask disabled people super invasive questions and you don't because a lot of my disabled friends want to go to their job at the bank, go home to their husband or wife, cook dinner for their children, do laundry and go to bed Mm -hmm. like everybody else does educating is not their passion but just like having a podcast is your passion and some people would like absolutely hate it (sighs) educating is mine and so I welcome questions and you know that's why a lot of other disabled advocates and activists create social media content because they welcome questions because we know that if we can answer your questions maybe you won't ask that uber rider in the back of your car invasive questions about their life as a disabled person I have friends who went blind because they tried to commit suicide, who went blind because they were shot in the face, who went blind because they were hit by a car, who went blind because they drank ethanol and got poisoning at a bar in Bali. Like, I know a lot of people who went blind in incredibly traumatic ways. And would you want to be answering that question five times a day, every day for the rest of your life? No. How would you feel if you were just like, so how'd you go blind? And the person's like, well, yeah. Um. So my dad shot me in the head trying to kill me. Like, is that a conversation you really want to have? What's not like? No, it's inappropriate. Do not ask people how they became disabled when they're like out in public in the wild. It is okay when they're in a circumstance like this where they are clearly like putting themselves out there to educate. But don't go around being like, oh, did you always like ha- only have one arm? It is not okay. It's not appropriate.
0: Now, as we do in many of our episodes, we're going to take a moment for Athletic Greens. I love Athletic Greens. Max loves it. We're an obsessed household over here. I even gifted everyone who came to my live show a five pack of the Athletic Greens travel packs. So if you went to the live show, I'm sure you tried your first Athletic Greens and I hope that you loved it. So what is Athletic Greens? Well, with one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. It's literally one scoop of the Athletic Greens powder into water. You mix, 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 and that special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy recovery, focus, aging, all the things. I started taking Athletic Greens years ago now. It has become a staple part of my daily routine. I take it every single morning without fail. If I miss a morning, which doesn't really happen, I'll still take it in the afternoon. I personally love it because it's that mental checkbox for me of I'm giving my body the important nutrients that it needs. I don't like to take tons and tons of vitamins and supplements. I want things easy. I want things simple. That's exactly what Athletic Greens does. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is giving RealPod listeners a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash RealPod. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash RealPod to pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. I want to know what your relationship is like with your identity because a lot of people who advocate or educate, you know, for example, I talk a lot about my binge eating disorder and depression and anxiety. And sometimes that feels like my whole personality. I mean, it's not, I know it's not, but I become so identified with with this thing that, you know, I'm like, okay, well, what am I if I'm not someone who had an eating disorder, if I'm not someone who struggled with depression? What do you think of and what's your relationship with the Molly who's it's not all about the disability
1: you know being blind affects every single aspect of my life every single day Mm -hmm. and so I can't separate being blind from myself Mm -hmm. and that is why again in the disability rights community there's a big push for disability first language because historically the medical community has pushed person first language and again It's all personal preference, but many empowered disabled people prefer disability first language because you can't separate our disability from us. Like it is such a core piece of who I am. Mm -hmm. And like, yes, I'm a a whole ass person outside of being blind, but being blind is a part of every single part of me. Mm -hmm. And so being like Molly is blind versus like being like she's a girl who is blind versus being like she's a blind girl. It doesn't impact me negatively like there's no difference to me and there's always been this push of like person first language but only specifically with disabled people Mm -hmm. like we will all comfortably say black man trans woman we are not always putting like the person before an identifier Mm -hmm. like you say oldest son not son who is the oldest simply because it's faster and saying blind woman does not make me less of a woman? Like it doesn't make me less of a human to put blind first. And again, I think it's like this this real thing where society's been like we need to show disabled people that we know that they're people. And it's like <laughs> if you have to remind yourself that I'm a person outside of my disability, I think that's more of a you issue than a me issue. Because I was well aware that I'm still a girl outside of my blindness. And I remember years ago on YouTube when I was doing tons of collabs with big YouTubers and I wasn't as well known, a lot of people were like, stop calling her the blind girl, she's Molly. And I was like, but guys, like I'm like confidently happily the blind girl. I'm proud to be the blind girl. I'm proud of being blind, you know? Like it's made me who I am today. And all of the hard parts about blindness give me the strength that the girl behind the blindness has. And so whether I'm a girl who is blind or a blind girl, I am the same person.
0: Yeah. As you approach your career and you think about everything that maybe you still want to accomplish or that you have on the plate, I know you said you're struggling with burnout. So, I mean, is there a world where you do take a step back from the educational work that you do? Or is it taking smaller breaks and finding different like paths to doing it that don't drain you as
1: much? I don't think I will ever step back from what I do. I am the type of person who has so many dreams. My vision board is like, spans six boards, (laughs) you know? Like, I am somebody who always wants more. And I mean, maybe that's my toxic trait. One of many, I'm sure. But I, my job will never be done Mm -hmm. because the world is still so ableist you know, like my job will never be done. What's some of that like everyday
0: bullshit that when you say it's like so ableist, what do you just know is never, I heard on one of the podcasts you were on, you said every restaurant's supposed to have a menu that you'd be able to read, but legally, but mm -hmm, they don't. mm -hmm. So like, what are just some of the things that you just are like, I just, it's not even tolerable, but it passes in this society because not enough people are bringing it to the forefront.
1: I mean, getting denied access with my guide dog, (laughs) like, ubers lifts restaurants hotels stores you You name it uber driver straight up tell you no and drive off oh my god like sometimes five times in one day (gasps) yeah like it's horrible people talking to the person i'm with instead of me so like if i'm somewhere with my mom ordering food they're like and what does she want like acting like i'm just not there just little things like that when people come up and take a photo with me without telling me they're taking a photo with me simply because i can't see it I would totally date you if you weren't blind. You're really pretty for a blind girl. So, I mean, Wait, you name it. The fact
0: that you just brought up dating, I wanted to ask you what you think of the show Love Is Blind because I, I, I don't know what what side you're going to take, but I was thinking, I bet the concept of like, oh my god, and you can't see them before you, t-
1: you're like literally fuck you, like that's my life. It's so funny. Like I, the first time I started watching that show, I watched it. Like I clicked on it. Because I thought it was about blind people and I was so excited for representation. And then I was like sorely disappointed, but also not because it's my favorite show ever. Really? And I cannot wait for season three. But it's just so juicy, Mike. Wait, why is it your favorite show? Because like It's too juicy. It's too juicy. It's so dramatic. I freaking can't. I soak it
0: up, man. Oh my gosh, I'm shocked that you like the show because I would have thought that maybe the whole like Can you believe that these singles are not going to see each other? Would have maybe like rubbed you the wrong way in the sense of like that they're calling it like an experiment and you're like, this is a lot of
1: people's reality, but no. No, because blind people are still shallow. There's like a big misconception. I mean, and I'm not, obviously not all of them. Like people were all different humans is a spectrum, but many of my blind friends and I are just as shallow as sighted people, and I say that to be real because I'm not trying to put myself on a pedestal because society does that with disabled people and it's gross, and I'm here to be a real blind person, and that means you're not always gonna like me. You're not always gonna like what I say because I'm not here to inspire you. I'm here to be a person because forever and a day, disabled people have either been here to inspire you or make you feel better about your life. We are either someone to pity or someone to praise and we are just people and disabled people can be just as shitty as all people they can be drug dealers they can be cheaters they can be literally anybody they can be murderers okay like disabled people are not excluded from being shitty humans and for too long we have excluded us from that and so You don't you don't have Molly for murderers. (laughs) (laughs) This is the most inspiring thing I've ever heard, (laughs) but it's true like it's true. And whenever like I remember getting a comment once and it's one of my favorite comments I've ever gotten because I was like, thank you. That's my point. They were like, I clicked on this thinking she was going to be a really cool blind girl, but she's just basic AF. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I am. That is the entire point of my content to show you that I'm a normal ass person. That's it. Just a normal girl just a normal 28-year-old woman, okay? I'm not special, I'm not that interesting. I'm just a person who happens to be blind. And I share my experiences going on just as many bad Tinder dates, loving sushi and all things glitter. You know, I'm just a person. And so I could very easily be like, yeah, like when I fall in love with somebody, I fall in love for who they are on the inside. Absolutely not. When I'm swiping on Tinder, I'm like, okay, like 1 to 10, where are we at? What's the body like? What's the hair like? Wait, because you're asking hair. a friend? Oh, or yeah, it absolutely. It in the- no, I'm asking a friend. I will swipe with friends exclusively. If I'm swiping on my own and like fully Russian rouletting it, best believe I'm not going to meet somebody before my friend gives me the full down low. Are you dating anyone now? Absolutely not. I'm the happiest single person <laughs> we've ever met. I have no interest in dating right now. But... I say that just to say, like, just like anybody else can be shallow, like, we can be shallow. And, like, like you don't take that away from us. Okay, I,
0: I'm obsessed with everything you just said. But my <laughs> second follow-up question is, on this note, have you struggled with body image issues? And if so, where has it stemmed from? I know for me, it was a lot of seeing the Victoria's Secret fashion show, seeing other girls and comparing myself to them. But obviously— as stated just now, you know, you do appreciate good looking. So whatever that means to you, like, how do you
1: deal with your own self-image? You know, it's interesting, like everything, it ebbs and flows, right? Like nothing is a constant. It changes as we change as humans. And so there have been times in my life where I feel like I don't struggle with body image as much as the average person does because I don't flip through magazines and compare myself. I don't look at people around me and compare myself. I mean, we live in Los Angeles, like, you know, it's a pretty shallow society here. Um, There's a lot of beautiful people, and there's also a lot of pressure to stay young and stay beautiful in this industry and to get work done. And like, I feel like I don't fall victim to that as much because I don't look around at everybody else at Mastro's and Beverly Hills and compare myself. Mm -hmm. But there are other times when I feel like I struggle more because I can't, I blow up in my mind minuscule things. So for example, for a long time, I thought I had a really big nose. I had a nose injury and I have scar tissues. There's like a lump on the side and the tip is uneven and blah, 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 because I I had a really bad blind girl accident when I was younger and ripped my nose and blah, blah, blah. Me squinting at your perfect nose, (laughs) just very confused. Okay, continue. (laughs) I'll point out all the, but anyway, so I like went through this whole thing and I still like feel that lump on the side and I still feel the tip being uneven and I pick it apart But for a long time, I was like, oh, my God, my nose is huge, blah, blah, blah. And the way I compare it to people is like your teeth feel really big to your tongue. But when they fall out, they're really tiny. So when you can just all you can do is feel something, but you can't see it in the context of the rest of your face. Yeah. It's hard to understand that it works. Right. I thought I had really big thighs because I couldn't see them in comparison to the rest of my body. I could only feel them when I touched a singular thigh. And so there are things that I blow up in my mind to be bigger than they actually are. Like for example, lately, I feel like I've been struggling because my whole life I've looked really young for my age because I'm only four foot 11, I'm really petite. And so I've always just tended to look younger people have always guessed me to be like at minimum three years younger than I am at most like at times eight years younger than I am and I have been used to people always guessing that I was a lot younger than I am and for whatever reason in this last year people guess spot on that I'm 28 and I'm like oh shit, like, do I look old now? Like, did I, like, I've had a bad year. Like, did this, is the stress showing on my face? Have, Have I gotten more fine lines and wrinkles? Like, I can't see why people are doing that. Like, why that shift happened. And so in my mind, it's probably a more dramatic shift in my appearance than it actually is to other people. Or when somebody on the internet comments, like, I did a makeup tutorial and I was like, I always conceal under my eyes because I don't know if I have dark circles. But it was like, just so you know, you do have dark circles. And I was like, oh, I've literally never been told that before. And so then I was like, do I have really bad dark circles? And nobody's told me. So sometimes I feel like I have better self-image because I can't see. And other times I feel like I have worse self-image because I can't see. And it just depends on the era of my life and how much space I am letting it take up in my brain and like what's going on and and honestly like probably reflects the rest of my mental state like how is the rest of my mental health doing so I I feel like it just it changes as I change it's fascinating
0: you know like the way that maybe for me I'll look in the mirror and I'll be like okay I gotta stop looking and scrutinizing and then for you are you like I'm touching my legs or I'm feeling my face and you have to catch yourself and say okay let's stop
1: feeling I definitely don't like put an effort into like comparing my body to what it used to feel like and in fact i would say that in general i can't actually tell like i gained 20 pounds and i lost that 20 pounds and physically i could not feel the difference like my body did not physically feel any different to me and so i think again the gift that gave me is that i loved my body and i wore the same type of clothes 20 pounds heavier is 20 pounds lighter like i didn't hate my body mm-hmm. because I gained weight and I think that's a gift so it, like again it's like it's just a different experience what do you
0: think it says or what do you think the reason is that even though you're not able to see and scrutinize your appearance there's still a care for it because we're in a society that you think still provides opportunity to people who look a certain way
1: you know I I grew up loving makeup and fashion and tattoos and hair and home decor and like I grew up loving the visual side of life and I always say like going blind didn't change who I am it changes how I do things so just like I cared about those things when I could see I still care about them as a blind person I just care about them and experience them and enjoy them in different ways Mm -hmm. that makes perfect sense
0: Molly, I think you're a badass. Thank you for coming on my podcast. Even after what wasn't the most ideal day, I super appreciate your time. And it's been awesome getting to know you and your mom. I think you guys are great. And I really appreciate not only you coming on the show, but just all the work that you continue to do for everyone because it's so important. And if the day comes where you're like, screw it. And you're going to the lucky one. Are you a Taylor Swift fan? Oh yeah, of course. Okay, well, when you are gonna the lucky one, it and just choose the Rose
1: Garden over Madison Square. I will fully support you. (laughs) I appreciate this. Flew by. Thank you for having me on and like giving me, you know, the opportunity to talk about this. As I said, like I don't think I can ever stop because it's what makes my heart beat. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like I truly believe I was sent to this earth to do what I am doing now, and this is absolutely my purpose behind the pain I went through and you know, whatever, whatever God you believe in, whatever higher power you believe in, like, I believe that I was given the life I was given and the specific set of skills and talents I was given to do something with it. And no matter how burnt out I am, no matter how tired I am, if, if I am at the grocery store and somebody asks about my guide dog, I will stop for 20 minutes and I will answer every question they've ever had about blind people because I would rather somebody know then assume and be wrong. And as much progress as we've made in the years that I've been doing this, there is still so much progress to be made. And I appreciate when people like you give me the opportunity and the spotlight to share my passion to, you know, a new audience and hopefully invite them in to become one of my own audience members. You guys better because Molly's the
0: best. Yeah. Um, thank you, babe. Appreciate it. And for someone who wanted to just be like i'm a normal person and we aren't like you're you're not normal because you're incredibly <laughs> successful incredibly brilliant funny smart all the things so thanks Seeing behind the scenes info and sneak previews of upcoming guests by following the at RealPod account on Instagram. All information about today's show and guests will be linked in the description of this episode. Thanks again for listening. I love you guys so, so much. Let's go dominate the day, and as always, keep it real.